0: Welcome to MDA Insights, the podcast where we bring you the latest in training and development trends straight from the experts at MDA Training. Each episode of MDA Insights will bring you a fresh perspective on the topical L and D issues of the day. So, whether you're an HR manager in learning and development, talent, or recruitment, or just somebody who's curious about the latest trends in training and development, MDA Insights is the podcast for you.
1: Welcome back to our podcast, where we continue our conversation with guest Bino, a qualified coach mentor and guest speaker at CNBC and Bloomberg. Today, we'll delve deeper into the topic of mentorship programs, building on our previous discussions on the benefits of on-the-job training. This marks our third episode and an exciting opportunity to explore the power of mentorship in shaping successful career paths. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into this fascinating topic.
0: I'm your host for today, Paul Hewitt, Do you talk about that critical role, that guiding role on the job? In other words, the mentor almost is key. Yes. In our experience, some mentors, can I suggest, uh, can't really teach or train very well. How how do you ensure that relationship when it's on the job works and works well?
2: Well, This is the squillion dollar question, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. So, so exactly and, and this is exactly what i touched upon earlier most people can either do or teach but mm-hmm. rarely both you know and 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 mentoring and training all up two very different activities so mentoring is highly personalized long duration delivered by a domain expert right in whatever domain it is while training is usually the opposite hence it's very tough to find a mentor who can teach and vice versa and it's ideal to have it have both of them done by the same person so I mean, one solution, um, if companies can afford it, they're able and willing to, is to have HR and l teams focused on running maybe workshops and mentoring, you know, so to, to, to that people who are not used to mentoring can learn how to mentor. Yeah. and also get a shot, you know, this course, train the trainer sessions for teaching the managers how to be, at least impart the basic skills um, uh, on behaviors of a, of a, of a trainer. So, but, but it's very interesting you mentioned that, I think, so I remember when I was running my training company and I was talking to a friend and he said, what do you look for in your trainers? And I said, you know, communication skills, qualification, experience. And he said something which I never forgot. He said, no, you know, you should be looking for people skills. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. And it's true. I mean, you can have all the domain expertise and experience and and smart, but if you can't, if you don't have a strong bias for dealing with it and helping people, what's the use? So I think, and once you have that skill of dealing with people, then I think the domain expertise and training skills will happen because you have this, you have this desire to make an impact. So you will do things to, you know, upgrade yourself to be a good mentor and trainer. At least that's my, that's my thing. I don't know what you guys think about it.
1: Well, I, I think very much from what you're saying there as well, you know, is you know a lot of time we come in to do our training. You know, quite often the question you're asked is, well, how are you going to measure how effective this is? You yeah, know, that, you know yeah. you're putting in, how are you going to demonstrate the return? You know, right. it's the you know again the million dollar question that you get asked. Exactly. Uh, and I, I think almost some of the things that you're saying here, are linking into that, and you know, and so in, but, so the question I've got for you is, well, how? How can you measure the effectiveness of on-the-job training? That feels even harder than, say, a classroom-based solution.
2: Well, as, as a finance person, I always look at things from the ROI perspective, obviously. So yeah. you want to see a return on investment. But there are two ways of doing this. One is, of course, to get a written structured feedback from the trainee um, after the on-the-job training on specific parameters related to on-the-job training. Right? This could be about duration of training, quality of training, trainees' confidence level post-training the right. The second is, you know, um, actual on-the-job performance post-training. Right? I mean, after all, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And yeah. here, the effectiveness can be easily measured based on relevant key performance indicators KPI, right? I mean, so I used to run the company, and, and we used to constantly be recruiting new salespeople. And once they complete the on-the-job training, which could be for three to four weeks, then you start looking at specific kps like percentage conversion of leads and the right. dollar amount of sales in a month or a quarter or whatever period you want to so it becomes very quantifiable yeah and so i think a, a good mix is you know how effective was the training or during the training and then how how much has he learned and how much is he applying that on the job you know um i mean the trainer might be a great guy brilliant etc and he gets top feedback but how much has a trainee learned and applied on the job? And how, much, how, how is it reflecting the outcomes that you want to achieve uh, from that person? Which is the second part, right? Uh, yeah. On the job performance. Exactly. Yeah. the two ways, yeah. But but it sounds as well, if, it, if I it's it almost
0: like as well that as part of this mentor arrangement, hmm. those people who know can now start to lead others and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy almost. In other words, it's not just the the return on investment in terms of the learner, but actually, as I start mentoring others, I must start yes. to learn to lead and understand an element more in terms of my own
2: managerial career moving forward. It sounds like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. Well, absolutely. I I tell people who want to mentor, who are mentoring, that looks. It's not a one-way. It's not. It's not a one-way street. You are mentoring someone, but but like you said, exactly. When you're mentoring someone, you discover a lot about yourself, about about how you mentor, about your communication skills, about your gaps, about about your your values, your mindset, and and you should become a better mentor, probably a better leader as well, because all these are useful for leadership development as well, right? So I think I think some of the better leaders you find out there, you know, uh, actually are good mentors as well. Uh, it's it's not a coincidence, I think. That they happen to be good mentors and great leaders. I think these two go very well hand in hand. Absolutely.
1: What, um, so, what you know, in terms of drawing on your experience again, been mm. on you know what what on the job
2: um, training sort of projects have you been involved in? Oh, interesting one. So. So I, have a few, I had a few projects when I was in corporate life, working for you know, the, the big property companies and other, other entities. But I think the best version of on-the-job training that I can remember was what happened when I was running my company, Genesis, the, 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 the training company, financial training company, where we used to acquire or we used to well, hire a lot of youngsters in sales, marketing, client support, operations. Now, these guys would be raw, right? I mean, they would be very inexperienced, at least in, in the education sector. So for the first three to four weeks, they wouldn't be expected to deliver and they would just be watching and asking and taking notes while others did the job. That was pretty much the, you know, that would be the on-the-job the on the training, right? Um, and they would probably handle some simple tasks at the end of the on-the-job training of a few weeks. Um, and of course, what I also did as a managing director of the company, something quite different, something unusual, because I was very keen, on um, that everyone in the company, irrespective of department, had a high-level idea about our business, which was financial training. Yes. So, so a few weeks, few weeks after the training, I would personally run a verbal, face-to-face test called the Business Awareness Test, BAT. Okay. Where the newbie would be grilled for about one and a half hours on our org structure, value, core values, our USPs, the competition across products, um, our target markets, about CFA, CFA was MBX, et cetera, et cetera, and then at the end, the newbie would be declared a Batman. Or a woman, Wow. With with pictures, high fives. it um, was, it was it was a it was an amazing buzz around the office because you can imagine the person feeling that yes, you know, uh, I've I've been hired, but I've also been recognized for going through this rigorous on-the-job training program. If they failed, of course, the PhD they would have to repeat it repeated with me a few weeks later, when whenever they felt ready because it was early, right? And the funny thing is most youngsters even now, you know, um, although I left the company five years ago, it still tell me that the PAT was one of the most stressful things they ever did. <laughs> Yet they learned a lot and also got recognized. You know? um, because one result of this on-the-job training coupled with the BAT at the end was this fantastic knowledge of the business, which actually occasionally wowed new clients when they spoke to the sales staff and there have been occasions where the sales staff, of course had no finance education or training or experience right yeah but these new clients all of who would be you know bankers and working in accounting, they would ask them were you in investment banking before or what? are you were you a financial analyst because the kind of answers i'm getting from the questions i ask is like you used to work in finance and they would go no we went through a pretty rigorous on the job training followed by grilling by a managing director <laughs> 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 so overall, a great client experience, and of course, it's what
0: you want. I mean, Bina, you, you you speak with passion. You know what you do. What What would you say? What would you say to, let's say, somebody in HR who believes that effective induction training involves taking a classroom of raw people, as you say, putting yes. them in the classroom talking of yes. them for five weeks because it's efficient and it's cheap uh, and you can control everything and then after five weeks they know everything. What would you mm. say in terms of ringing in on-the-job training as part of the early career development as a critical role, a critical function in understanding not just what you need to know but how you need to know and how you need to behave?
2: Right. And of course this happens a lot in, in, in on Wall Street and the city, right? And they basically have thousands of fresh graduates coming in and sitting in large classrooms and you know basically having session after session delivered and i think um i think the hr and lnd department should basically call up the line managers and say how are my people doing after five weeks to be honest with you. because if you're if you're putting them through five weeks of intensive classroom training how are they going to acquire the skills and behaviors which you mentioned earlier right to make them function the job so I think it's going to be a mix of classroom training and on-the-job training, um, properly supervised. And, and that's what I think a lot of management development or management graduate programs do in the big banks around the world. They bring them in, spend maybe five, four to six weeks, mix of classroom training, and then they go to various departments, right? On a rotation basis. And you have big leaders coming and delivering presentations in the classrooms and giving them case studies, et cetera, et cetera. That normally works. But I think purely classroom training for five weeks—it's—it's—it's it's, it's basically lots of—I um, mean, it's quite intensive. But i, I think it won't—it won't meet the requirements of, of the business, which is what HR is there for. At the end of the day, to right? make sure that the business gets the right uh, the right talent at the right time, and, and 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 not have busy line managers having to train them, these people all over again, especially when they have deadlines and clients uh, running after them.
1: You know, I can see lots of uh, positives from on-the-job training coming out. But one yes. thing that sort of just springs to mind while you're, while you're talking it through is, surely you must be you must be able to pick up some bad habits from people on the job training as well. Someone that's maybe been doing a job in this particular way for 20, 30 years, they've got a yeah. way of working. Just like if I, if I go in my car and drive, I don't maybe drive to the kind of the standard that maybe I would have when I passed my driving test. Exactly. You know, I have been with Oz when he's driving, and he does not meet his hand when he's driving. <laughs> so, trying to teach my son how to drive, maybe I might not be the best driving instructor. But apply that to the corporate context.
2: I know. How do you? Know, you how's that? How would you control that? Would you say? So, so it goes back to the question you asked me earlier about mentoring versus training, and, and how people who can either do or can teach but not do both, right? And it goes down to I defend the talent uh, in the organization that can that can mentor, that can teach at least can mentor. And you're absolutely right. People have been stuck doing the same thing day in day out for years on end, and it's quite possible the new trainee basically gets brainwashed into doing some inefficient habit picked up over the last few decades, like right? or built up over the last few decades. Yeah. So, so you basically want someone who's um, who's basically uh, how do you say good at mentoring, but also is how do you say um, at, at, at the cutting edge of implementing uh, new processes um, or in departments that implement new processes and, and not something that's inefficient for example so that that's a judgment call that management has to make management should know who those people are obviously uh from the track records and in mentoring and training more the past in the past as well and how yeah. that has fared out so it's it's uh, so some, you can make out easily some people are very good at mentoring, it, and some people will be like you know what if you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. And, and, and you know that it's not going to go off well. <laughs> the second, <Yeah. laughs> the second yeah. agree, right? yeah. If you ask me to do it, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But you know. And some people are so passionate about imparting to youngsters, you know, about yeah. knowledge about the business and making managers and leaders. And and you have stories of, of people who even now like look back and say, you know what, that guy I met 25 years ago, he changed my view of the industry and he changed my career. Yeah. And that's the kind of person you want, right? Meant to you at the beginning of your, your career. Um, and not someone who says, you know what? It's just a job. I come here to get the money. I've got a mortgage an expensive wife. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we've got time for one more question, um, Bin, if you may, because I know that, that you are, you are uh, busy and passionate in terms of how you are busy. Who who was the mentor in your life? Who was the one person that almost drove you to do what you have done and continue that uh, that, that, that journey, um, both through you and through the people that you mentor and the people that you have spoken to and the businesses that you've led in? Can you think back to that
2: one time? That's an easy one. And it's funny you ask me this because I met him a few weeks ago in Dubai. So my first mentor also happened to be my first boss and he also happened to be the managing partner of the small charter accounting firm in South India where I did my articleship for the chartered accounting. and he uh, somehow liked me, he liked my command of the language, my, my personality, my ability to deal with clients and I met him a few weeks ago and he's now of course this is about 34 years ago that I first met him. And I still remember he would never criticize me. He would never, he would never raise his voice, even if I pardon the expression screwed up, which of course I'm sure I did a lot in those early naive days of mine, which you know, sometimes I cringe when I I cringe when I think about what I used to do then, but let's move on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> but he was very patient, he was very tolerant, and he was uh, and he trusted me. it's very important. When you're 19. And, you know, you're completely inexperienced and you've had a mediocre academic background. And suddenly you have, you're, you're given charge and this senior guy trusts you and advises you and says you can do things and he doesn't criticize you. It gives you an incredible boost of confidence, Paul, which, to be honest, propelled me for a long time. Because I came with a shattered confidence into my articleship when I was 19. And I was telling him a few weeks ago, I said, and I, I, I told him in front of... A bunch of people i said you changed my life because you're my first boss my first mentor and i owe you a debt of gratitude which i probably can never repay because these are things that are priceless uh that initial boost that spark that you know it basically you just you just believe in yourself Paul. because till then no one's believed in you you don't believe in yourself and then you have someone senior respect saying yes you can do it and i'm going to help you do it so he was the first person and and I'm ever thankful to him and I wish a lot of youngsters you know have such mentors at the beginning of their career which unfortunately is not always the case which is why I tell people you know don't choose a company based on title salary brand blah 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 go to a company where you will find somebody who will bother to teach you and and that that because that experience is going to be absolutely seminal absolutely foundational for your career uh, and if you have that that foundation is like you know like the initial boost uh, and that will take you places um so i so I, I'm, I'm i'm fortunate to have had that mentor which happened about 34 years ago actually precisely 34 years ago it was in february 1989 which probably gives you a clue about my age but again just not Let's, well, not, let's not go into how antique I am.
1: But no, that's why we celebrated this uh, this podcast with timing of, of, of when you actually uh, went through some on-the-job training and mentorship.
2: You see, we've timed
1: it perfectly. But what a nice, powerful end and case study to finish our podcast.
2: Absolute pleasure, Paul. and Oz. had a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me back and hope to again have another chat soon. Thank you very much, Binodh.
1: That's all for today's episode of MDA Insights. At MDA Training, we take a unique approach to training and development. We don't just focus on the theory, we focus on real-world application of that theory. We work with our clients to understand their specific needs and design experiential training solutions to meet those needs. But it's not just about the training. We work with our clients to help them achieve measurable results and create real behavior change in the workplace. We hope you found this information valuable from our podcast today. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with more insights and expert advice. Thanks for listening.